0: Welcome to The Drill Down, business stories behind stocks on the move. I'm Corey Johnson. Today is Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Well, just ahead, we'll hear from 90-year-old Warren Buffett and why real companies are much bigger to Berkshire than picking stocks. Plus, a look at a business behind an unlikely beneficiary of the work-from-home revolution. And we'll drill down on Shale King Continental Resources with Bill Smead, CEO of Smeed Capital. But first, it's sponsor time. The drill down is brought to you by ERA, a one-stop equity
1: platform where you can seamlessly connect to any earnings call and surface actionable insights automatically. Era's AI powered tools will allow you to work faster and smarter.
0: That's ERA.com. And you can listen to the drill down on any of your favorite podcast platforms: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, and TuneIn. Just hit that subscribe button and catch every show.
1: And remember to join The Drill Down on Twitter and Instagram at Drill Down Pod. Link up with us on LinkedIn and let us know what companies you want to talk about.
0: All right, I'm Corey Johnson, and here on The Drill Down, we dig deep and explain the business stories behind Stocks on the Move. Joining me now, as always, producer extraordinaire Isaac Webster. Isaac, what's going on in the world of business today?
1: Hey, Corey, here are the top stories you need to know from Wall Street this Monday, May 3rd. Stocks traded mixed with the S&P 500 and Dow inching higher while the Nasdaq declined slightly. Worth pointing out, the S&P closed out April with its best one-month performance since November. Investors betting on the economic recovery and watching the Federal Reserve closely. Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying on Monday he's hopeful about the U.S. economy in a speech, while he also noted the recovery is uneven. If you look at the 12-month performance, the Dow is up 43%, the S&P is up 47%, and the NASDAQ is higher 59%. It's
0: amazing. It's just, you know, from where we were a year ago, these results are fantastic. And so as we discuss stocks in this show, let's remember that we had an S&P up 47% in the last year. So a stock up 47% in the last year, it's just average.
1: Yeah, which is which is amazing to think about. Corey, the next story we're watching is Verizon pulling back from his digital media strategy and planning to sell Yahoo and AOL to a private equity firm, Apollo Global, for $5 billion. Now, Corey, $5 billion, Yahoo and AOL, do you think that's a good price tag? Depends what they're going to do with
0: with Apollo, if they're going to keep it like it is, or start to uh, add some other things to it as private equity firms do all the time. I'm a big fan of what they're doing at Yahoo Finance in particular. I love what they do every year. On the previous weekend – uh, just now when they cover the, uh, annual meeting for Berkshire Hathaway, as only they could online, uh, Andy, sir, over the crew over there doing a great job. And I'm going to give a shout
1: out to our girl, Julie Hyman. Love her over there at Yahoo finance. Also on Monday, a trial got underway between Apple and Fortnite maker Epic games. This case could reshape the relationship between software developers and app store operators. Now, this dispute stems from the iPhone maker's tight control over how people access Fortnite and any other mobile apps from Epic. Apple's App Store takes a 30% cut of Epic's revenue from those users. Now, the Wall Street Journal put a dollar figure to Apple's App Store. What do you think it is? How much do you think it's worth, Corey?
0: Good question. It's a fortune, right? It's the biggest app store there is out there.
1: Two trillion dollars. Two trillion. Okay. That's a lot of money. Good work.
0: It's a big Thank number, you. Wall Street Journal.
1: Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today?
0: Well, let's start with one of the biggest of them all, Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, a big weekend for them with their annual meeting and, of course, the release of fourth, first quarter results uh, that came out after the close on Friday. You bet. BRKA
1: class shares, they rose 2% Monday, and they've risen 57% over the past 12 months. So what are you, what are you following the most closely about Berkshire From over the weekend.
0: Well, there was news this morning uh, uh, that um, indeed the company announced that uh, Warren Buffett announced that Greg Abel uh, will succeed him as the Berkshire CEO should he have to leave in the short term. uh, Abel uh, oversees all their non-insurance operations, which are um, which are big. Uh, Everything they do is big, uh, including this annual letter and the the attention that this letter gets uh, every year in the annual meeting, which, as we mentioned, uh, one could watch on Yahoo Finance in real time on Saturday. Um, as, as I did. Uh, and, you know, um, I thought what was really interesting in this was two things. First of all, you know, I have to say, you know, Warren Buffett's 90 years old, and he really sounded 90 years old on this call, just his voice cracking, still super sharp and, and uh, um, uh, insightful as ever. But he just sounded, you know, he sounded, I look, I'm 90 years old, I hope I sound so good but uh, I I also hope Warren Buffett would have sounded better. But that said, uh, great insights. And I thought, uh, Isaac, one of the most important insights that I got out of his focus here was really the notion of how people see him and see Berkshire Hathaway as stock pickers, but that his business at Berkshire Hathaway and the businesses that they wholly operate are enormous. It's a giant business. Uh, The property plants and equipment at that business is bigger than any other company. Uh, in particular, he used the example of uh, some some of the years that they've spent building out their railroads or, or the years spent building out transmission lines uh, before they could even install windows to deliver power all over the country. And he really does push back on that popular notion that uh, Berkshire Hathaway is just a bunch of stock pickers.
2: People think we're a bunch of guys that own stocks and all that sort of thing. Berkshire Hathaway owns by gap accounting, more property, plant equipment, business infrastructure with the president's got through talking about Wednesday night in infrastructure the importance of it. We have measured by gap accounting more than any other company in the United States. We have more than any of those companies that are on the list of the largest companies in the country, but we've, and we've got to buy a substantial margin. So we have an investment in what makes this country move and work 15 uh, percent uh, of the interstate goods move on the on our railroad that uh, we're building transmission and we started in 2006 or seven uh uh planning how we would close coal plants but then you can't close coal plants until you get the electricity from where it's generated to the customer and if you're going to generate it in wyoming uh and it's going to go to Las Vegas or someplace. And previously, they had a coal plant near the place because that was the way it was done 50 years ago or 75 years ago. Uh, you better have the transmission. There's no sense having a wind blow in Wyoming and people turn, turn, turn on the lights in Las Vegas. So we we went after the transmission plan uh, question a lot earlier than people were talking about it.
0: So I thought it was just interesting to hear you know, his notion of kind of building out Infrastructure long in advance of when it was going to be needed, uh, and what a big operating company uh, Berkshire Hathaway is. Corey, what is your next drill down? I want to look at VSE Corp. Corp. short for corporation. VSE is short for VSE.
1: (laughs) VSE uh, it's it's trades under VSEC. Uh, Shares climbed seven percent Monday. They've gained one hundred and forty four percent over the past year. So, Corey, what is VSE? I've never heard of this company.
0: Uh, it's about a billion dollar market cap company, a very interesting company that uh, is involved in fixing airplanes and trucks. They're going to ah. do a lot of business with the government. And, you know, what are, what are some of the most successful companies in the last year during the pandemic? E-commerce companies. And what do e-commerce companies need besides the E, the Internet? They need the commerce, which happens on airplanes and trucks. And so these guys have actually seen some real nice growth in their business of fixing airplanes and trucks over the last year. Uh, and, you know, they've they've really seen some uh, dramatic growth fueled by e-commerce.
1: Now, are you talking about the U.S. Postal Service?
0: Uh, the U.S. Postal Service is a big part of their sales. 27% of the sales for this company in the last year was working with U.S. Postal. So it's a big deal. They work on a lot of logistics stuff with their vehicles in particular, um, but their commercial revenue, which excludes U.S. Postal Service business and the government-related revenue, just their commercial business was up 64% uh, on an over year basis in the quarter they reported this morning. That's why the, the stock went up so much. But I think more importantly, you know, what we're looking at was the ability of this company, which has been in the midst of a turnaround, to capture e-commerce at a time when e-commerce was exploding. Um, they just this morning uh, or just, just recently announced a huge deal, a, a billion-dollar deal, a 15-year deal. Um, with one of their existing customers for context, the company is about six hundred fifty million a year in revenue. So to sign a billion dollar deal uh, is a pretty big deal for this company. Here's CEO John Cuomo talking about how important that deal was.
2: To me, what I love about these deals, very similar to the the landing gear deal that we announced, is not just you know we we announce what the deal looks like itself, but it's much more about everything that we can attach to it once we get it implemented, um, and those opportunities for bolt-ons and add-on product lines.
0: So I think that that's sort of the interesting thing is sort of the upsell that these guys get in every deal that they, they sign, where they get their foot in the door, they start working on the company's logistics and, and helping them get the right parts for their trucks or their planes or the landing gear for their, their planes or whatever, but quickly expand that, uh, whether it's within the existing customer or customers around that. Um, and it's been a fantastic growth. As you say, the stock has, has done twice as well as the rest of the market uh, in the last year, um, at 144% gain. Um, things just on fire, uh, and it's you know an unexpected beneficiary from the rise, the COVID-fueled rise in e-commerce. Uh, Corey, what is your third drill down?
1: Mohawk Industries, Isaac. You know Mohawk? I don't know Mohawk, but it trades under the ticker MHK. Our shares were up 9% Monday. They've risen 59% in a year. Tell me about Mohawk. Well, I want to tell you about
0: Johnson Carpet. Okay. As we start this business here with uh, the Business Podcast Network and The Drill Down today, uh, my grandfather, many, many years ago, started a business called uh, Johnson, uh, Johnson Carpet in, in Western Michigan. And uh, some of the, my father's earliest memories were getting the family truck and driving from Michigan to Massachusetts to go buy a roll of carpet, tie it to the top, to the top of the truck and drive back to Michigan. And, and that's how grandpa started that business. Um, that that the family did well with the growth in housing in America and growth in their case in Western Michigan and flooring. And what we've seen during COVID is, you know, one of the big COVID uh, changed behaviors is people spending all their time at home and being sick of their homes and using their stimulus checks to make home improvements. And a big part of the improvements, it turns out, was flooring. So in the, even into the first quarter of this year, again, a lot more stimulus checks going out in the first quarter of this year in the U.S., uh, but also all over the world uh, this company Mohawk carpet's been around forever Mohawk Industries um, did its biggest quarter ever 2.7 billion dollars in sales uh, operating income adjusted you know profits basically 329 million dollars also a record worldwide sales of flooring uh, uh, fantastic in Australia and New Zealand they were they were through the roof for through the floor, what's uh, uh, the right metaphor there. <laughs> Whatever they did, they sold a lot of it. Uh, laminate floors, tile, they, they got it all going on there. Um, and what used to be seasonality in this business was just out the window. Um, usually things slow down in Q1 for this industry, but that was not the case here. So what's the problem? Well, I think the worry is is, is inflation, right? It's raw materials. The raw materials cost for them, uh, um, you know, uh, not least of which uh, the cost of 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 plastics, um, really uh, rising dramatically the price of oil. And uh, the question is, what are these guys gonna do and can they really jack prices? And I think all of us are concerned about inflation as an economic headwind. Uh, Here's what the CEO had to say, uh, uh, Jeff uh, Lorberbaum, um, CEO of Mohawk.
2: As you know, the materials, energy, and transportation continue to rise. They're flowing through inventory and we're raising prices as we see it you know, we're having to react to the changing prices in our supply base, and you know, every month we get a different view of it than we had the month before. We are uh, trying to push through price increases to align with it, and so far it looks like we're doing reasonably well at that. Some products we've actually increased three times already, Is that? and it, all we can do is keep reviewing what's going on and keep making adjustments.
0: So some products they've raised prices three times. So I'm paying so much attention to all, you know, we listen to so many conference calls here and, and I'm paying so much attention to all these companies talking about jacking prices and what that means for actual inflation, which seems to me like it's going to be a lot worse than what we hear out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. All right, well, coming up next, Bill Smead, the CEO of Smead Capital, is going to talk to us about the shale oil king, continental resources. The Drill
1: Down is brought to you by Era. Era's event access and monitoring intelligence platform improves earnings season and the investor events in between through comprehensive calendar tracking, one-click event access, dynamic monitors, multicasting, and more. Powered by an advanced language processing engine, which consumes 40,000 plus investor events annually across 10,000 plus global equities. Learn more at era.com/drilldown. And remember to join the drill down on Twitter and Instagram at drilldownpod. Link up with us on LinkedIn. And sign up for our newsletter on our website, bizpod.net.
3: All right, we're
0: joined right now here on The Drill Down by Bill Smead, the CEO of Smead Capital. We're going to talk about a little company called Continental Resources that Bill has selected to help us understand the business behind the stock. Uh, Bill, the stock has performed wonderfully in the last year, uh, but things were pretty bad a year ago, so a lot of things have performed Nicely. What is it about uh, Continental Resources among all of the oil companies uh, that is interesting to you? There's so
3: many things that are interesting about it. But what happened to us was we it it hit us about a year ago at the height of the pandemic that the there's a, a counterintuitive thing going on in the oil business. And that is that that. The effort to get greener, the effort to deal with climate change, the, the things that you would do if you are, are really staunch about lowering carbon, et cetera, would be to make the other ways of generating uh, transportation or electricity or flying uh, relatively economically more attractive. And the singular way to do that would be to take the price of oil up dramatically. So the body politic wants $150 a barrel
0: oil. We should back up a little bit and just kind of talk about what Continental Resources is. So Continental Resources is a company that, that looks for oil and gas, but as you mentioned, they have a lot of big fines. They've got big fines in the Bakken region in North Dakota, they're in Powder River Basin in Wyoming, uh, and they're in Oklahoma in size, both in oil and gas. And they've been at it for a long time.
3: Right, and 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 the founder owns 80% of the stock. So, he, so he, he was buying millions and millions and millions of dollars himself in the market, even though he already owns a ton of it. And, and, and so you don't have to wonder if the person running it would like to succeed.
0: It's his whole life. The old saying is there's lots of reasons to sell a stock. There's only one reason to buy it.
3: There's only one reason to buy it. That was Peter Lynch, is who said that. As a matter of fact, and and uh, so Ham, so they have 4.36 barrels of proven reserves, and more land per share to find more proven reserves than just about anybody out there. So if you do a quick multiplication today, I think oil closed at 64 dollars a barrel. So that means you've got about 280 dollars per share of proven reserves. The stock is trading around 27. They have $13 a share in debt, which their cash flow is going to explode here. So that'll disappear fast, but it's still there. So it means you're paying $40 enterprise value for $280 of proven reserves. Now, Get two hundred and eighty when you pull it out of the ground. You get two hundred and eighty minus the cost of pulling it out of the ground, minus the tax, the lifting you, cost, it, it, the lifting cost, and the tax that you have to pay uh, when you sell it to somebody. But the bottom line is, let's just conservatively say paying forty dollars for a hundred and seventy dollars of net after tax proved Now that's that's in the that's in Ben Graham land, right? That's that's what Buffett started out doing in the Forties and fifties and sixties trying to buy assets for way less than they're worth.
0: So let's talk a little bit about this. So you know, I mentioned the stock has done quite well uh, in that it has nearly doubled. It's up ninety eight percent in the last uh, uh, last twelve months. But I think um, what's what's particularly interesting about this company is sort of uh, the, the places that they've you know most of that gains first of all in the last year seventy percent or more in the last year, but the places where they pull oil out of uh, rely on fracking, they rely on horizontal drilling, kind of the most expensive kinds of drilling you can do in the oil business.
3: It's a reasonable question, but they don't do the, any of the other stuff after that, right? They 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 pull it out of the ground. They're not the ones transporting it. They're not the ones refining it. They're not the ones doing all the other stuff, right? So th- this is just, it's, it's pure heroin that we're dealing with here. <laughs> These guys don't care what happens. That's my point. They don't care if people drive their cars for thirty years, and they don't care if everybody's driving electric cars in five years. Either way, the price of oil and natural gas are going to soar in value.
0: Well, all right. So let me let me ask you about this. So uh, one of the things that these guys talk about is this this wonderfully geeked out phrase of commodity optionality what they really seem to mean is that they can switch production from oil to gas and gas to oil, depending on what the world looks like. So during Mm -hmm. COVID, they said, you know what, the price of oil is so low, let's work our wells that are producing more gas. And then when they look out in the future of 2021, they say, you know, oil prices have come back and are going to stay there. Let's shift more of our production into oil. And I think that's a fascinating uh, technological development and a, a rare ability of this company to not be too oil or too gas heavy.
3: Well, Corey Buffett says any IQ points above 125, for the most part, aren't very helpful in making money in investments.
0: <laughs> so, As my portfolio over the years would prove. So, wh- where do you see Continental? You know, again, why Continental among all the oil companies out there? Um, if okay, so you, you've got a macro view on on oil prices going up over the next five years, but why Continental among them? Okay, so. We
3: own Chevron and ConocoPhillips, and they are they they all you know they also do refining and 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 they're kind of comprehensive oil companies and pay fat dividends and and so we have about twelve percent of our portfolio in oil stocks. the The index has three percent. The Russell one thousand value has six percent.
0: But to me, to me, that's portfolio management. I'm concerned with, you know, the whole point of the show is what we want to drill down on one on a company and really understand that company. So, what is it about this company among all? You know, look, you you could have picked uh, from a hundred E&P companies. Why Continental? This stock will quadruple in three years if we go to a hundred dollars a barrel. And is that because they're so oil heavy, or is it because they're just so undervalued in that basis? A combination of uh,
3: oil and gas heavy with the best properties, with the most proven reserves and the, the the leverage that they have, which will get reduced, but it'll still be there, is when, when the oil price works in your favor, that leverage just works like leverage does when you hit a winner on a technology stock. You know what I mean? In other words, I, one of my mentors in the business, he said, he said, if I buy a company with a great balance sheet, a lot of times I'll use margin when I buy it to provide the company a little bit of debt. <laughs> well, you don't need to provide Continental any debt. They, they've got it already. You, you don't need to use margin. They're already, mar- they've, they've leveraged themselves. There is leverage And they're there. talking
0: about paying down that debt. I mean, they're talking about reducing that debt dramatically over the course of just the next year. Sure.
3: It, that's right, because they're going to gush cash flow. But again, uh, look, you mentioned the stock has doubled in the last year, but the, the stock is half of what it was two or three years ago.
0: Now, one of the reasons for that has been concern about their ability to get oil out of the Bakken. That not only is it very expensive to pull the oil out of the ground in the Bakken, for the most part, they've historically had to ship it by train. Except that they've got this Dakota Access pipeline, which has lowered the cost of delivering the oil to market. Um, does it? Is there? Are there concerns when you look at Continental and it's got so much oil in the Bakken region? That if that pipeline gets shut down, which some environmentalists are after, it will actually hurt the ability of this company to sell oil at a lower at a higher price. Well, again, margins, again I
3: anything that restricts supply is what the body politic wants, which, in other words, if you're, let's just say you're Harold Hamm, and let's just say that a lot of things restrict how much you can sell. But what if what if you sell what you sold last year at forty dollars a barrel for one hundred fifty dollars a barrel?
0: Pretty good business.
3: It means there's no additional expenses because you're not pumping any more than you were before. It's nirvana. It is literally nirvana. Uh,
0: well, we will see if uh, Continental Resources does indeed lead us to nirvana. Uh, Bill Speed, always a pleasure catching up with you. And, and what an interesting company to check out here in, in, in Continental Resources. Yep. Um, how can our listeners connect with you and follow Speed Capital? Uh,
3: Smeadcap.com. Smead blog. Just go in there and put your email address in. And uh, about 40 times a year, you'll you'll get a piece. Uh, today's uh, piece is called uh, Warren Buffett,
0: No Fish in the Barrel. I can't wait to see it. All right. Bill Speed, Smead Capital. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Okay, up next on the drill down, the bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. All right, Isaac, Continental Resources has had uh, just short of $1.4 billion in profits in the last five years. Now, its debt payments, of course, reduce those profits. If they didn't have the payments, they'd have more profits. So with $1.4 billion in profits, I wanna ask you, Isaac, how much the company spent on debt payments of the five years? So that's the bite, Continental's debt payments over the last five years, but first. The
1: drill down is brought to you by era, the equity platform with event intelligence and insights for fundamental investors seamlessly connect to any earnings call and take advantage of era's AI powered tools, work faster and smarter with era.com.
0: And please subscribe to us in your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn. We're there. Just hit that subscribe button and catch every show.
1: And remember to join the drill down on Twitter and Instagram at drilldownpod. Link up with us on LinkedIn and sign up for our newsletter on our website, bizpod.net.
0: Okay, here's that drill down bite, the one number that tells you a whole lot. All right, Continental had $1.4 billion in profit in the last five years, Isaac, but it had $1.5 billion in debt payments in that same time. So if you get rid of that uh... debt, the profit would have doubled for this company. And as uh, Bill Smead and I were talking about earlier, they have been talking about lowering uh, that debt quite a lot in this year. That should leave a lot more cash to flow to shareholders in the forms of dividends uh, or give them the leverage to do other things when they want to do it, not least of which deliver earnings. Well, it's gonna make some people happy. All right, well, you've been listening to The Drill Down. I'm Corey Johnson, he's Isaac Webster. Remember to follow The Drill Down on Twitter and Instagram and at Drill Down Pod. And if you have a favorite stock whose business you'd like us to drill down on, Hit us up on Twitter and we'll take a look again at Drill Down Pod. Thanks for listening.